Hey Rebels, Ryan Dobson here. I am so honored that you've taken time out of your day to listen to Rebel Parenting. And I wanted to start today by just telling you that we are praying for you. I think about you all the time. I don't know a lot of you specifically or personally, but I think about you all the time. I think about your life. I think about your family. I think about your feelings. How do you feel about the future? How do you feel about your husband? How do you feel about your wife? How do you feel about your kids, your job, your faith? How's your relationship with the Lord? And we pray for you. We do. I just want you to know today there's someone out there praying specifically for you. I'd love to know what I can pray for you for. If you want to email me, you can. It goes straight to me. My address is help at rebelparenting.org. Help at rebelparenting.org. I'm so excited for today's program. One, because the atomic mom, the hug dealer, my favorite person in the whole world, my wife, Laura, is back on the broadcast. I'm also excited because this is a great broadcast. We don't fool around here. We don't have the time. We don't have the bandwidth to fool around with subpar programs. We are not fooling around with your time here. It is such an honor that you take time out of your day to listen to us. I don't want to waste it. Our guest today, man, you'll hear in the broadcast, we had to reschedule with her so many times and she just kept coming back for more and was so gracious about our situation, dealing with all the things with Laura and cancer and stuff. And we just, we had to air this. We had to record it. We have Allie Worthington on today. She's got a book called Fierce Faith, A Woman's Guide to Fighting Fear, Wrestling Worry, and Overcoming Anxiety. Producer Kay gives me little summaries of the book. And she said this about the book. She said, Fierce Faith is a manual on how to overcome the worries that hold you back. You will identify fear-based thinking and know how to finally stop it. Overcome the little and big worries in life. Learn a simple trick to stop the anxiety spiral. Live a more confident, less worried life. That piece right there, when she said live a more confident, less worried life, and this is a book to moms, to women, on fighting fear, wrestling worry, and overcoming anxiety. That little statement, living a more confident, less worried life. I'm telling you, we had to put it on. We went through this book. We poured through it. It is really, really good. A lot of people struggle with anxiety. They struggle with worry. They struggle with fear. And we get stuck in these little spirals. And it's tough to get out of. And it affects all areas of our life. It affects your relationship with your husband, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your friends. It affects your sex life. Everything is affected by that. And people that struggle with anxiety and fear want help. And this book will give you the help. Allie, in her bio, she says, I'm a wife and mother of five boys, a wonderful stepdaughter, and a rescued dog. We live outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and just about every flat surface in our house is taken up with books, athletic equipment, Legos, and quite possibly a little dog hair. She is also the author of Breaking Busy, How to Find Peace and Purpose in a World of Chaos. She is the co-founder of Blistem and Blistem Canada. She's a business coaching and consultant to Fortune 500 companies, the executive director of Propel Women. I'm telling you, we're not fooling around on Rebel Parenting. We will not waste your time. 
So I can't wait for you to hear this interview with our friend, Allie Worthington. Allie, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting. You know, this subject, it, it's got a lot of heat around it. There's shame and there's guilt and there's so much. We are so glad you came to talk about fierce faith. We appreciate you being on Rebel Parenting today. Well, thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Oh, it's so good. For our listeners, what you don't know, Allie is so gracious. We have rescheduled her program over and over again. We've been going Too through all this craziness. <laughs> and we are so thrilled to have you on. Allie, we always ask people, why did you write this book? You know, writing a book's a big deal. You're really putting yourself out there. It's vulnerable. There's so much going on. And this subject, anxiety, panic, it's got a lot around it. What made you write this one? Well, it's funny. The Lord gave me the word fear a few years ago for my next book. And I thought, well, okay, I, I'm not sure I really struggle with fear, but if that's what you want me to write on, I can research mm -hmm. and, and we'll do it because he kept using the same word over and over again. And then when it, when it came time for me to start really diving in and thinking about writing, my husband, who had been struggling with a lot of health difficulties through the years, he developed mm -hmm. adult onset asthma. And what happened for us is, you know, he would, he would be able to work out and exercise and, and live a normal life for months at a time. And then all of a sudden mm. a kid would, we have five boys, so a kid would bring yeah. home a virus and it would turn to bronchitis and pneumonia and it would literally mm, be a fight wow. for oxygen. So wow. for wow. us through the years, it just ramped up this constant anxiety of when is everything going to fall apart? Um, why is this happening to us? And for us, we kind of had the seeds of hopelessness that things would never get better happen in our life. And then a friend yeah. of mine, the great Christine came, the, the, um, Australian evangelist called me on a Saturday morning and mm. just to speak life into me. And, and she said, listen, the enemy is coming after you and he's coming after Mark and he's coming after your children. And you have got to stand up and learn how to fight. And so I, what did you do? I just want to interrupt you yeah. right there because that is so powerful for just me as a mom to hear that because yeah. <laughs> um, what did you do? What did you say? I mean, what were some of the encouragement words? I would love to hear that. Totally. Because Ooh. that those seeds that, Stand you know, we're never going to get out of this. This is not mm -hmm. a season. It's forever. It's so normal. We all struggle with that. You know, you get into this fight and you go, we've had this fight a hundred times. We're never going to not have this fight. We're never going to get out of this season. Totally. Mm. Well, for me... I I was a little bit confused at the beginning. Um, I mean, I appreciated the encouragement, but I didn't know what fighting looked like. I knew that our family yeah. was in crisis. I knew that things were very, very hard. I knew yes. that I had a sick husband and we were just trying to keep our heads above water and keep him, you know, breathing. And as I started kind of, this, kind of going on this journey, I realized that I did carry so much shame for being afraid and living under this weight of fear because we all know that we are not supposed to be afraid. You know, it says all throughout right. scripture, be strong and courageous, be not afraid. Oh, we hear it know every Sunday. Every Sunday. And I think what happens to Christians especially is we go, oh, well, I just don't have enough faith. Or if I love Jesus mm. enough, I wouldn't be afraid. Or there's something wrong with me. So not only are we dealing mm -hmm. with fear and anxiety, which is a natural part of living in the world, but 
we are heaping self-condemnation on ourselves at the same time. We are literally picking up the tools of the enemy and doing his work for him. Oh my and goodness, as, it's so true. It's so true. It and, and then you don't want to talk to anybody about it, right? We we have this fear and you go, but I'm not supposed to be fearful. And then I experience shame. Uh, and then and then well, who do I talk to? I can't tell them I'm fearful. I, you know, I can't do this. And then you're just stuck in there. Totally. Exactly. So what did, your, what did your mentor suggest to you? I want to get back to that. Sorry. Well, bring it back from in. her... From her, literally, it was no suggestion other than fight. Get up out of the corner and learn how to fight. And for me, I went on this journey of going, okay, what does what does fighting actually look like? And the first thing I discovered, um, even before that, was all throughout Scripture, when the Lord is encouraging us not to be afraid, I think I read it from the perspective before that we were doing something wrong. You know, mm, that right. that He's uh, upset with us for always being a Felix, yeah. mm-hmm. but the Lord knew in his gracious mercy that the human struggle is fear to be alive on this planet is to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's continually put throughout scripture to encourage us because it's just what we're going to go through. So once we admit that feeling afraid, dealing with anxiety, being worried is a natural part of life, then we can stop guilting ourselves about it and thinking that we're automatically doing something wrong. And I love it way- because it wouldn't be in there so much if we didn't experience it so often. I mean, doesn't right. that tell you something about fear and anxiety? If the scripture mentioned it so many times, maybe it's because we experience it a lot. Like stop yeah. feeling guilty about something the Bible clearly knows we all experience all the time. Totally. The great heroes of our faith, they were afraid. Mm. Um you know, Moses was afraid he couldn't speak. Jacob was afraid. I mean, they, they all were fearful. They all were fearful. As I, you know, at the beginning of the year, we all start our Bible reading plan again. And, and I've been so tickled for the first few months of this year going through the Old Testament with everyone being afraid, going, yep, all the great heroes of our faith, we all struggled with it. So for mm-hmm. me, and lots of I, them didn't succeed at the end of their lives. Yeah, they get through yeah. it. They totally get yeah. through it. So I wanted to attack this using a combination of scriptural truth with really practical steps, because I think for too long we've heard the message of, well, you're afraid, you have anxiety, just pray more and it'll go away. Well, Mm. I think for most of us, we've tried that and then we go, okay, uh, but I still wake up with a knot of worry in my stomach in the morning, so what do I do? So. And it's a hurtful statement, to be honest. I really do. I want to talk to listeners out there that it's mean to say it's it's making a huge assumption that the person wasn't praying. You know, clearly you've not been praying or you wouldn't have this fear. And then because that person knows they have been praying, now it puts shame on them. Oh, I guess you don't know how to pray. I guess your prayer wasn't good enough. Maybe God doesn't listen to you. Well, and Mm -hmm. you miss an opportunity to suffer with another human being. Mm. There's beauty in suffering. People don't want to suffer today. No, absolutely not. Um, and the, the shame, like, like you mentioned, the shame for, for that we feel, especially from other believers that's brought on accidentally, is really <laughs> powerful. And it causes people yeah. not to talk about it and to not be honest because no one wants to, no one wants anyone else to think that they don't have enough faith, that they don't love Jesus enough, that they're, you know, we are so hard on ourselves as it is. The last thing mm-hmm. we want to do is, is let everyone else down. And sometimes just being honest about what we're going through, we, we can feel like we're letting others down when, when we're just being honest about it. 
Right, right, right. So, Allie, as you've gone through this, what are some of those early practical ways that helped you start to deal with the fear? Because that's what people that deal with anxiety, like I get panic attacks, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when when a huge one is onset, you know, there's some extreme things I do. But when you start to feel it, what are the early things you learned that would help with that fear? That's a great question. Well, for me, I, I discovered I kind of had the realization early on that not only are we we living our lives in the spiritual and the physical plane. We had to attack on the spiritual and the physical plane. So my first, my first experience learning how to attack, I was at a pharmacy. I was picking up medicine for my husband who had a really bad case of pneumonia. I put my head on the steering wheel and I just said, Jesus, this, this is the worst. (laughs) You've got to help me. Like we're falling apart. And instead of driving home like I normally would and, you know, taking care of all the kids and taking care of my husband, I just sat there for a few minutes and I turned on my favorite worship songs and I sang that I was no longer a slave to fear, that that God was a good, good father, that that he was a miracle worker. And what I did that day is instead of just mindlessly, sometimes you're driving down the road singing worship songs, I sat in my car and I cried and I sang as a declaration mm. over my life. I sang from my spirit until my body finally started believing it. Mm. And for me, it was that day that I realized that we really can use worship. And for some of us who love music and the power of, of singing over our lives, that that is a form of attack. We can mm. fight back using worship as in our arsenal. So yes, prayer and worship Amen. are really, really, really important. Um, just as important, honestly, as, as those physical, plain level, um, practical steps that we can use on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So Allie, for you, do you feel that that was the moment it changed for you in your fight? It did. It did. It absolutely did. Because there are, when we're, when we find ourselves in a certain place where, the seeds of hopelessness have been planted where we go, I, I don't know if this is ever going to get better. You know, this is apparently this is life now, right? Something yeah. had to break in the spirit for me to have the strength to fight back in a practical way. So before I could start realizing, okay, here's how we break out of an anxiety spiral or, or here's what we do in this situation. Something had to, had to open up in the spirit for me to even have the strength to be able to fight back on the physical level. I like that. You know, it's interesting too, because so often when you read books or you hear people talk about anxiety or fear, things like that, they first go to the physical realm. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do physically? Uh, you know, the fight or flight, you can break that with eating or things like that. I love this book because you start to, with the spiritual. You know, we oh, don't often you. fight in the spiritual realm as much. And it's good to get into that worship, that spirit. Oh yeah, because... There, there's something so powerful about just making the decision to worship. I, I wish I could sing. I've, I've been praying my whole life that the Lord would give me a singing voice. I say, Lord, if you would, I would use it for your glory. And he says, no, you won't. So you don't get, you know, <laughs> you don't get to sing. But I, I sing and I sing and I sing. There's some mornings when I'm stressed out or something is bothering me or I'm afraid that sometimes it's hard to pray. Sometimes you don't know where you start yeah. and I can turn yeah. on music and sing over my life and I can sing until I'm all of a sudden in the right heart mode to pray and everything opens up because life is hard. I mean, for us to, yeah. to be here talking about things and not be realistic about it, it's, 
it's tough. Parenting's hard. Family life is hard. Work. I mean, we're living on planet Earth. It's just going to be hard. And yeah, for here, me, here, here at Rebels, we say the struggle is real. Like yeah, the yeah struggle for is real. real. People are having real problems and real issues. It's true. You know, Allie, it is, it's good to remind our listeners of that. Your life is hard. You know, this is not a pity party. This is not a woe is me thing. It's a tough age to live in with all the things that are going on, with all the strife. And you have to realize when we experience fear, you, you have to understand our culture is designed to feed that. Our whole entire Absolutely. news cycle is based off of fear. You know, what's under your counter that can kill you tonight at 10? It's not right <laughs> now. It's it's uh-huh. a few hours from now. We're going to give you a few hours to worry about what is in your kitchen that might harm your children. And then the news comes on to tell you about how bad it is and about what's happened in North Korea. And they've got a, a, a missile that can reach the West Coast and all these different things. Yeah, and totally. You can mess up your children. Right. I, you know, I had to... I used to watch the news daily and I would read the headlines daily. And I realized for me, it was just feeding the fear. Yeah. Amen. Because, you know, you turn on the radio and everyone's talking about basically the world's coming to an end and it Mm -hmm. never comes to an end. We need a new radio station, don't we? Yeah. It's just, it's still going. So for me, I had to go, I'm going to put a limit on this. I still want to be educated. I still want to know what's going on in the world. But I don't necessarily need to disrupt my day at 930 in the morning or two in the afternoon um, because of headlines from around the world. Like I I can put a time limit on that at other times. But here's the thing. Not only is the news designed to set off fear in us, so is social media. Social media really is designed to create the fear of missing out in us. Mm. Yeah. We're constantly on it because we don't want to miss something because something new could come up. And the way that social media works now, it's everyone's highlight reel. It's everyone's best, you know, all the kids look amazing and they're in matching outfits and the professional photographer is taking a picture in a wheat field, which is, it's a great picture. It's great to share. However, like for my rule is if the dog is sick and is thrown up and I'm cleaning the carpet, I don't need to have my phone out and look at people's vacation photos. Yes, <laughs> like, that's right. Like, like yeah. the, the fear of missing out is really, um, is really powerful. It sets off a lot of anxiety and insecurity in us. It even does that with kids. Um, I think with kids, it can sometimes be the worst. Or as, as, as parents of kids watching, I mean, I have a good friend who literally said, I, I can't be on Facebook anymore because I get so upset at seeing mm-hmm my child's friends do things and like have birthday parties that my child wasn't invited to. I, I can't be, I can't right. watch it anymore. It's, it causes real pain for people. It does. You know, it used to be when you went to school and you went home, you had about 18 hours to not know what everyone thought about you. And yes. kids don't have that anymore. Uh, you know, now they know every negative thing that someone ever might think about them 24 hours a day in their pocket on their tablet on their laptop it never stops and you want to talk about anxiety the way these stories and news feeds work in social media it's designed to create the anxiety because what we know is the things that get clicked on liked and viewed most get to the top of the feed the things that get liked clicked on least move to the bottom of the feed Right. And therefore, if you're not on all the time, clicking constantly, liking, posting pictures, you know, all these things, well, then yours is going to get moved further and further down. And maybe now I'm not that important. Yeah, I mean, it is completely designed to to prey on our 
our anxiety and our insecurity. And, and here's the thing, I'm still on social media, I still take part in it all. But when we realize the games that are going on behind the scenes, even from the social media companies that are building it, but when we keep in mind just how to use it intentionally, it can protect us from, from letting it bother us. Like for instance, like I said, if I'm having a bad day, or I like to say, if I'm not emotionally healthy enough, I'm not going to go on social media because I know it'll set me off. And well, for smart. me, mm-hmm. I remind myself all the time that it is people's highlight reel. Um, but it's kind of set up that way, not only from, from the people who built it, but from us. Like nobody actually wants to see pictures of my laundry room dirty. So I get that. For sure. Yeah. So when yeah. we know it's a highlight reel, but here, here's one thing that I love. And I don't know how many other every, other people out there love this too. I really love Instagram stories because that is becoming the place on social media where people really are real. You know, they last mm. 24 hours. You know, pe- women are on there without makeup. You know, the house is looking mm. messy. People just living their lives. And I find that so refreshing that I've started watching the stories as opposed to even reading the feed because it's just mm. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. We all have, we all the uh, Rebel Parenting Instagram on our phones, and we all took part in the stories because of that. Just the real life, like we had a, yeah. a water heater burst, and then Mouseageddon happened in our house. I was in a hazmat suit for a week, and it's like, oh yeah, I lead a ministry and I kill mice all yeah. night long and surviving cancer at the yeah. same time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Armageddon. Mm-hmm. But hey, you have a tagline in your book that says, "So what?" Could you talk about that for our listeners a little bit? Oh yes. It's such a powerful trick. So I came from, I learned this from a a Christian counselor when I was in high school. I would plop down in her office and and tell her all of the terrible things that were going on in in my life and all the terrible things in, you know, a 15-year-old girl, how how hard is it? But anyway, it seemed terrible at the time. And all the terrible things that I thought were going to happen and all the anxiety I had, she would go, now hold on, this one situation that you're worried about, if it happens, what's the worst case scenario? And I would go, okay, well, the worst case scenario would be such and such. And she looked at me and she said, and if that happens, so what? And I said, so what? Mm-hmm. You know, basically the world would end. And she goes, would the world end if that happened? And I had to reluctantly say, mm, no. Mm-hmm. She'd say, will you survive if this happens? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. You know, is there a God in heaven who loves you? Is your, is your eternity known? Yes. And she goes, then I think you can survive. And so what she was doing with me is making me take a step back and going, okay, I am, I'm so worried about all these things. If the worst mm-hmm. thing happens, so what? Can I actually survive? And for me, that became very powerful because once we can identify what individual fear we have and then take a step back and examine it, it loses the power. And I take that a little bit farther in the book. And I say, once you identify that and you play the so what game, you need to ask yourself, is this fear that I'm having, is this something that's likely to happen or unlikely to happen? I mean, realistically, Mm. and we know most of the time our worries and fears are not going to come true. So it's really important to take a step back and go, is this realistic? Sometimes it is realistic. So if yes, it is, sometimes it is. Yes. yeah, if it is the next step to do that, to re- allow us to regain a sense of control and break out of the anxiety spiral is to say, okay, 
can I change this at all? Do I have any effect on it? So sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. If, for instance, I'm afraid that my hometown of Nashville is going to swallow up tomorrow and everybody sinks in, <laughs> I can't do anything about it, right? Right. But a lot of things that we're worried about. Get the about, power back in you. Yeah. Yeah. Get you the a lot choice. of things that, that we're worried about, we can affect it. Or even if we can't affect it, we can make a plan to cope with it if it happens. We can be prepared. Now, what do you, can I interrupt? Now, what do you yeah, do if, if for people out there listening that are not coping? Like, I don't, I don't know if you um, directed that in your book. Like, let's say people that need professional help. Do you adjust that? Or do you have any suggestions of people that might need to go d- down that route? Totally. So this is more of a, a fear of something happening in the future. So maybe it's a, a fear that, you're not going to be able to pay the bills or a fear that um, maybe um, your, your child is, is going to fail in the subject. And that's more of a, okay, is it likely? Is it unlikely? And if it is likely, what can be done to help fix the situation or to make sure if the mm-hmm. situation happens, everyone's going to be okay. Yep. If someone, I like that. The coping if, one is a good one too, yeah. because sometimes oh. we think, no, there's nothing I can do. It's absolutely going to happen. There's, I'm definitely not going to pay the, you know, where you get stuck in that narrative where I can't see any other way out. In those, I tell myself, I know the Lord sees another one, but I can't. Yeah. But then when you go, well, if you can't see a way out, what's your coping mechanism? And that right. gives people exactly. freedom and stability as well. Yeah. And, and I am a huge proponent of counseling and seeking um, medical mm. help for, for problems with anxiety. I credit my counselor that I saw when I was a teenager with just okay. completely transforming my life because she taught me how to renew my mind. She taught me how to mm-hmm. take my anxious thoughts and really examine them. And there's something powerful that when we take a step back and go, okay, let's just, let's look at this thought. Let's look at the situation we're worried about and, and question it. That's that's when we get our power back and things things don't feel quite so anxious. We get in these anxiety spirals because we feel like, you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And all of a sudden we feel out of control. But there's real Mm -hmm. power in going, this is what triggered me. And now I'm going to question it and kind of regain some of my control in this situation. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love it. And then you get noticing the triggers. This triggered me. Maybe it won't next time. Maybe I'll avoid the situation. Maybe I can find a new plan. So I'm avoiding these triggers. I love it. It's fantastic. Allie, as a parent, I know you talk to moms a lot, but as a parent, mm-hmm. we struggle with fears about our kids. You know, we we struggle with their salvation and we struggle with uh, if they're going to get liked or if they're going to feel accepted. Uh, I mean, there's so many things we talk about on Rebel. Parenting is the one job you don't know how good of a job you've done until it's way, way too late. And that creates <laughs> a lot of fear. Anxiety. You know, I've been learning this, but how do you talk to people about surrendering? How do you talk to them about going, yeah, you don't have all the answers. You can't do it. Well, with my story, because I have so many children, it has mm-hmm. been fascinating to learn through the years that each one of them is born with their own personality, their own mm-hmm. skill set, their own abilities, you know, same, same parents, same, same household, same parenting style, except we're a little more lenient on the baby of the family because we've been raising kids forever. Doesn't um, that always happen? <laughs> always. And the older kids are so appalled by it, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, I'm the baby. For, oh, then you get it. You get it. Yeah, totally. Um, and for me, I realized 
I can do everything the same, but each individual child is created by God on a certain path put by God with gifts and talents and limitations and weaknesses that God put in this child. And that I can do everything in my power to, to love my kids, to give them a great childhood, to make sure that they, they know and love the Lord. But what happens to my child in life is part of God's plan. Mm. And when I accept it and go, Lord, mm. your plan is better than my control, mm. it allows me to stop beating myself up all the time. Because I think as mothers, I don't know what happens when we're pregnant, but all of a sudden we think that every little thing that we do for our children will be the defining moment for our kids. Yes. And it's so much pressure, but here's the thing. Nothing will happen to to our children that God doesn't allow. Our children will be on a path that God wants them to be on. Isn't that hard? Isn't that difficult? Doesn't that change your relationship with the Lord? To have to know that, to know, hey, he allowed that. I'm My goodness, yeah. if I believe he loves me so much, he would send his son to die for me. I have to trust the situation I don't agree with. I have to trust this thing I don't like. That's a, yeah. that, that is such a deepening of your faith. It's so important. Yeah, keep going. Mm. Well, and it changes, uh, Allie, it changes your relationship with your children mm. completely. It does all together because... We want to control our kids for their good. All parents do. Right. I mean, when they're, when they're toddlers, my mom used to call it a suicide mission. When she'd go, your, your kids are constantly on suicide mission. Like they're always looking for like poison to eat and cliffs to jump off because that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. So when they're little, we control them to save their lives and to, and to help them feel loved and, and, and to do all the right things when they're little. As they get older, the more we try to control, the more we actually hinder their growth. Mm-hmm. The more, yes. the more we try to micromanage, that not only does it does it hinder their own growth, it hurts our relationship with our children. Mm-hmm. So, give me one so, example of micromanaging, just so we can uh, narrow it down for those rebel moms listening. Okay, this is kind of extreme. But in our it. family, we we have five boys. The oldest is nineteen in school. The youngest is in third grade. We don't we don't take part in their homework with them. Like their their homework is their responsibility. If they have trouble and they have questions, they can always come to us. We will help. But mm. okay. I, we would never say, "Do you have homework that you need to do?" Or you know, I logged into the school account and I see that you have homework. Why haven't you done it? That is Ooh. that is our children's is responsibility. At? Wow. What age does that start at? Um, from the beginning. Like but the rule first is, grade? Like kindergarten. Whoa. But Whoa. The, the, yeah, but the rule is you have to keep a certain grade level because they can't just get bad grades. You have right. to keep a certain grade level or you don't get electronics ah. until you bring up Ooh. your grade. Okay, so if they get so, bad uh, grades, you don't then intervene and say, do you have homework? I'm checking online. I see that you've not done a report. It's just mm-mm. they've got consequences until you see the grade comes up. Exactly. So halfway through like the six-week grading period, you always get a little report of how they're doing. Yeah. If there's bad grades on that, it is, okay, no more video games or iPad until you've fixed this. Okay. 
Yeah. And then and then that's when they can ask for help and if they need more yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's their responsibility to make sure the teacher lets you know they've fixed this issue. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because it Oh, there's some moms out there that are like, What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I'm a homeschooler mom, so yeah. this is all foreign to me. <laughs> oh gotcha. Yeah. Homework is one of those mm. things that I mean if your kids are at school all day and you work, you, you have a few good hours with them during the week at night. Yeah, and yeah. if homework becomes a power struggle between the child and the parent, it really diminishes how much time you get to enjoy with your kids. Oh, no. Now, if, of course, if your kids have a, a learning disability, if your kids struggle in school, of course, you're going to be involved and you're going to get help. But of it's about course. putting yeah. the responsibility and the onus on the child yeah, and yes. not, not becoming the, not having all the interactions in the evening being with mm. kid and parents. Yeah. Yeah. I have to give a shout out to my homeschool, uh, my journey group right now, Emily Hill. She's my principal of our school. She's amazing. And, um, she talks about teaching children from an early age that they are whole people, that they are in charge of their own lives. They're in charge right. of their learning. They're in charge of their whole, their wholeness their spirituality, mm. everything. And so as we as adults and parents, that's what we get to steward and showing them that they are their unique whole individual. God created them with their own unique story. Mm -hmm. That's so great. It's, that's mm -hmm. so powerful. So Allie, how have you seen your kids take responsibility? I mean, that's such an amazing thing. I can't even imagine, <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, to take responsibility, I'll, I'll bet it's a very different experience for you than a lot of moms you talk to. So if you come, a mom comes to you and goes, Allie, are you kidding me? I could never do that. I've not, you know, my kid is 14. He's, uh, he's getting ready to be a freshman in high school. If I just let him go, he's going to fail out completely. Well, the thing is, the great thing about those, those midterms, the halfway through the grading <coughs> period, is you know how, how well they're doing. And for me, my goal was always figure out what it is my kid really, really loves. And that's the thing right. that get, will get taken away until this is fixed. Yeah, find their currency. We yep. love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And for, and for my, I have boys. They love video games. Take away oh, Super yeah. Mario and Zelda and the world's coming Oh, I'm so in. in the middle of Zelda totally. right now. Oh, you're speaking I, my language. Hold on. I need right? it for myself, though. I need someone to find my currency <laughs> and right. take away my currency, please. I mean, I'm, I'm going through this with, um, my third grader right now, because he has a report that's due on the 10th. It, we know this, the teacher sent a note home and he hasn't done anything. And so it's a, and it's going to be a seven page report because we have his, his older brother's version of it on a different a president's mm -hmm. report. And so uh, this weekend I said, Hey, I noticed you haven't done anything on your report and you haven't asked me to open up the computer because I don't let them use the internet without mm -hmm. us. So I'm how about today we log into the computer and you do your research for your report. He was like, yeah, I think I'll just do it all next weekend. I said, okay, but I just want to remind you, like if you don't get a certain grade on this report, you won't have any video games or TV oh. for two whole weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Which is really punishing and? us as parents. Oh yeah, and for sure. Every, yeah. That's what we're all thinking, too. Really? Now you have to entertain your kid for two weeks? Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's why I didn't say we're taking away um, movies, because he could still watch movies. But movies aren't his currency. Um, yes. yeah. So Mom. we're still in the process. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But he seems mm. to take it pretty seriously. But this is this chance for me to go, 
I I am not going to I'm not going to nag you on this. I love I'm not going to so micromanage your work. Like this is this is what you need to do. Can I ask you what is the number one question you get asked from moms about this book? Oh gosh, there's it's so varied. I don't know if there is a number one question from moms. Is there like Other, a theme? Everyone wants to figure out how to wake up in the morning and feel okay. What I hear from women is, I just want to figure out how to wake up in the morning and not dread what life mm. has for me. And I want to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and be able to sleep and not worry about things. And it's a process. What do you, why, what do you say to them? Well, the, I mean, I wish there was something quick I could say. And that's why I wrote the, the entire book is a battle plan. But I wrote each individual chapter as a different fear. Because there's really a step-by-step battle plan to combat each one. So the fear that something's going to happen to our children is totally different than the way we manage a fear of betrayal. And I think think for so long, we have had this message in our culture of, oh, you overcome fear, just pray more and it'll go away. And we really, I wanted to take it really seriously and go, okay, for each individual one, here's some step-by-steps of what you're going to do because it is a battle. Um, but the most important thing is being aware of it and understanding that it can get better, that there are steps, there are a battle plan, there is a battle plan for everyone, and that it will work. That's right. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank Amen. you. Oh, Allie, it's been so great. We love this book, Fierce Faith, A Woman's Guide to Fighting Fear, Wrestling Worry, and Overcoming Anxiety. What a treat. Thank you so much. I'm sorry it took this long to get you on. For those that are joining (laughs) us late, we have made Allie reschedule so many times, but I got to tell you, it was worth it. What a great broadcast. Thank you, Allie. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been awesome. I just want to thank Allie for letting us reschedule with her so many times and sticking with us so that we can bring that broadcast to you. If you'd like more help, if you do struggle with fear and anxiety and you want to overcome those things, head to rebelparenting.org. You can find a link to her book, her website, places where you can get help for that. If you've got specific things you need, you can email me, help at rebelparenting.org. And one thing you can do that's proactively going to help input into your marriage and your parenting is sign up for the upgrade. This month in May, we're going through Heidi St. John's book, Becoming Mom Strong, and the Atomic Mom hug dealer, Laura, is doing it with me. It is so exciting. Producer Kay, myself, Laura Dobson, and Heidi St. John all going through Becoming Mom Strong. Sign up by texting the word UPGRADE to 345-345. Text the word UPGRADE to 345-345. You know what's great about that? I think I've texted back everyone that has texted three, four, uh, UPGRADE to 345-345. I just text them back on my own account. Uh, and I've met some very interesting people, and it is so much fun to see how you found out about Rebel, what we can do to help, and how we can just take your life to the next level. That's why we created the upgrade. We have some huge news coming soon for that. So once again, text the word UPGRADE to 345-345. You want to go online? RebelUpgrade.com. God bless, Rebels. We love you so much. We will continue to pray for you. Have a great weekend. We will see you next week.